Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time we gather for a spiritual conversation and enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. Time and distance are no barrier to energy, and that means no matter when you're listening, no matter how you found us, you are here for a reason. And I hope that something in the next hour lights you up and helps you move forward. Now we know that there's a lot going on besides just what manifests in the physical body. But how do we tap into that, that something else, that what is behind to create healing in the body, mind, and spirit, especially when we're dealing with chronic or hard to pin down illnesses? Kevin Peer is my guest today, and we'll be exploring a mind-body-spirit approach to healing called the Hero's Journey of Healing that he developed. This is a protocol that combines universal myth and personal story with insights from the fields of neuroscience, epigenetics, psychobiology, and psychoneuroimmunology, along with the techniques of hypnosis and guided imagery. So this is going to be interesting, and I hope opens a new door for you. Are you ready to meet him? Kevin Peer is a mind-body wellness consultant, Reiki master, a transpersonal hypnotherapist, and an internationally recognized documentary filmmaker. After contracting a long undiagnosed case of neurological Lyme disease, Kevin embarked on a long and difficult journey to regain his health. And this journey led to insights regarding mental, emotional, and spiritual factors that are integral to a successful healing process and in time led to the development of the hero's journey of healing. You can find out more about Kevin and his work at InnerAlliance.net. Kevin, welcome to Out of the Fog. Thank you for having me, Karen. I'm very glad you're here. Maybe we should start if it's all right. Let's start with your own journey. I know from reading your story that you tended to kind of push things to the edge. And so you you had a very cool career as a as a filmmaker, right? Yeah, I <laughs> pushing it to the edge kind of an understatement. I was I was very dedicated to a path in the world as a filmmaker that um, it had very strong altruistic undertones and overtones for me. I worked making films for the National Park Service for several years and did films that ended up being seen by millions of people uh, for Crater Lake National Park, Everglades National Park, Denali National Park and Preserve. So there's, there's this tremendous sense of mission and that continued when I was hired by National Geographic Television and made films on cultures and spiritual traditions and practices, et cetera, around the world. But what I wasn't so good at was taking care of myself. I mean, beyond being basically physically fit, um, I had a water filter, you know, my apartment in Washington, D.C., um, I didn't eat junk food. Uh, I drank way too much coffee. But at a lot of different levels, the the body was seen as a instrument for my dharma in the world. And tough luck, but that body was going to get pushed hard because the life of a documentary filmmaker traveling around the world 
dealing with, you know, all sorts of inner and outer critters and adventures and bad food and bad water at times and chronic uh, lack of sleep um, on location filming. Uh, it was extremely rigorous. And I just, I continued to push it. And at a certain point, I did start to slow my life down based mostly on the wisdom that I was exposed to in filming different indigenous traditions around the world who are, of course, so much more wise when it comes to living in this present moment and finding all that needs to be in this present moment. Um, and they taught me how to slow down a bit, but it was only a little bit. And long story short, over time, my health started to really go down, just, uh, you know, here and there, just things that were odd and uh, lowered energy and brain fog and, and bouts of depression. And it was it a chemical imbalance, like my friend, the psychiatrist said, or, you know, what the heck was going on? And finally, in 2006, the hammer came down. And I just couldn't function anymore. I couldn't put sentences together. Um, I had uh, a bad temper, which was not like me at all. And I distinctly remember a night that I was carrying firewood in from outside in the rain, and I dropped the firewood at the deer at the gate that kept the deer out of the garden. And I just cursed up a storm. I felt so much rage, and it was in that moment, standing in the rain, now in tears that I just said, something is going on. This is not me. I don't know what it is. I don't know who this is, but this is not me. And I've got to find out. I'd already been to a number of doctors. They, none, none of them suspected because they didn't know enough about Lyme disease. I ended up diagnosing myself based on, um, you know, looking up the University of Google on a consistent basis. And the symptoms that I kept plugging in kept coming up with the results of Lyme disease. And that, in 2006, began what I would call the hero's journey of healing. You know, began my own journey of coming to terms with an entirely different relationship with my mind and my body and my emotions and my spirit. In a way, you know, the shadow side, and I'm sure, Karen, that you're very familiar with this, you know, I mean, either in your own life, because it's so common for us who people who want to do karma yoga, who want to make contributions to the world. And it's really easy to put the needs of the self to regard them as being kind of selfish and superfluous. And so, you know, in time, I had to really learn a lot about this kind of compassionate self-care that did not put the needs of my path in the world, even if it was altruistic, that did not put that first over the needs of the body. Because there was no choice. I mean, my back was kind of literally up against the proverbial wall. And there was nobody, nowhere else to go but down unless I learned how to embrace this more compassionate way of relating with myself. And that opened up a tremendous number of things. And I became, I, I studied Reiki. I'd already had level one and level two Reiki. So I became a Reiki master. And my health improved incredibly. Um, I uh, did some other forms of healing, and my health improved. And, and so the more that I did to honor my inner life, uh, the more that my health 
improved in ways that were both subtle and dramatic. And so this was a long multi-year journey of trying a variety of different healing modalities in, in the medical end of things, ranging from intravenous antibiotics um, all the way to the non-conventional medicine uh, around homeopathy and herbal protocols and even uh, rife machine technology and uh, um, blood plasma infused with ozone and you know many things and many doctors and many specialists who only knew little parts of the puzzle and nobody had pulled it all together yet and so in some ways it was almost by accident it was just by the grace of god or the gods or however one wants to put it the universe that i was able to make it successfully through this minefield of of um, all of these different systems of my body that were failing and piece by piece gaining knowledge about those different systems and what needed to be done to heal them, you know, both at a, a purely physiological level and, and also at a more, more spiritual level. So at a certain point, when I, I reached this certain point in my own healing where I really started to feel my own joy again and started to feel, you know, uh, uh, much better inside my body, immediately started thinking, wow, how can I help others? Because the path of chronic illness is so fraught with peril. You know, it's so easy. The typical story around so many chronic diseases, but it, but particularly Lyme disease, is being going from one specialist to another or one doctor to another and, and being misdiagnosed for years or even decades, which is what happened to me. And burning through the money and burning through one's life force and sometimes watching the dissolution of one's career or even relationships. And it's devastating. So at a certain point, because I had this background as a filmmaker that was kind of ingrained in me of looking at life in terms of story, I started to look at my own life in terms of story, which is something I, oddly enough, had rarely ever done. And initially, when I was experiencing this devastating illness, it felt like a curse. So I, I wasn't even curious about any kind of a story that would involve this curse. I mean, where do you go with a curse? It's just a curse. But at a certain point, as I started to get better, and my mind was, was able to function a little bit more clearly, and I had more access because of Reiki and everything else, I had more access to the... The, the the deeper levels of my being, if you would, um, which I used to have such ready access to before I got sick. And then I uh, one night, I, I literally it was one night that the message came, well, Kevin, it's time to look at your own life in terms of story and for you to sacralize and or for you to make sacred your own life journey before you can even contemplate helping anybody else with this. And when I looked at the classic structure of story, and particularly around the what is called the monomyth, or, or what Joseph Campbell came to coin as the, the hero's journey, I was really amazed to see how beautifully it fit and how immediately I started to feel something energized from deep within me. I didn't have to manufacture it. It was like when I accepted 
the possibility of being a, a vessel for the archetype of the hero and kind of redefine the notion of the hero from a perfect being, you know, who's doing extraordinary things to what's actually closer to the truth, which is that most heroes' stories in literature and in film start with ordinary people who are exposed to extraordinary circumstances that they are in no way prepared for, either physically or psychologically. But along the way, there are allies that they encounter that they encounter on the inner and the outer level. Along the way, there uh, th this path takes on meaning. Along the way, their life is transformed, and at a certain point, they recognize this transformation that has taken place, and they feel compelled to bring this transformation or this boon, as it's called, B-O-O-N, boon. Uh, to bring it back to the people, to b bring it back to one's people. And I saw this uh, enacted around campfires in the Sahara Desert with the Tuareg people, among the Wadabe of Niger, you know, the just cultures, the Navajo, the cultures around the world telling their own versions of this ancient story. So it occurred to me that this is so ingrained in us. And it's not, it's not being told for entertainment value. I mean, not, nothing wrong about being entertained by a story. But the original purpose was to teach and to activate. So when I was seeing a version of the hero's story being told around a campfire in the middle of the Sahara Desert by a Tuareg elder, he was activating in the minds of the young people around him this archetype of the hero. And when that is activated, things move. Things move at a physiological level. It's why heroes are able to accomplish some physical feat that they th never thought was possible. Well, we can do the same thing when we're encountering chronic illness. You know, we're, we're kind of put into extraordinary circumstances, and we can rise to that occasion by taking part in this myth, by incorporating it into our lives. And then everything really started to change. Mm. You know, I was no longer a victim being cursed. I was a hero on a journey. I was an individual being challenged by something. And it was just very, you know, it was very humbling to witness the difference that it made in just the way that I felt in my own mind and in my own body. I'm really struck by what you're saying. There's a beautiful... Hmm. That the journey of chronic illness can be difficult and lonely, and as you say, it is often a journey of being kind of shunted from one practitioner to another, each with something that doesn't fit you, or they put you away, or there's nothing wrong with you, and you go from place to place, and it can be a very lonely journey made of all those little tiny moments. What is the next appointment? What is the next test? What is the next thing that I'm feeling in my body? And what I'm hearing you do, Kevin, is take that and put it in a much larger, it's like creating a big container to hold all of that so that it gives some coherence to the journey too, something that can be sometimes uh, kind of fragmented and, and difficult. It gives it coherence. doesn't make it easy and fun and hooray, but it gives it, uh, it puts some movement in. Do you know what I'm getting at? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and I've, I've had, <laughs> you know, there, there's a, there's a just, 
down-home practical side to this, too. You know, it's like at a certain point, I also realized, Kev, you're sick, right? You know, you're not going to get over this in a week. You're really sick. You've got a lot going on. Your adrenals are flatlined. You've got no testosterone. You know, you're, you know, this and that. And, and um, uh, um, you know, your eyes, it, it messed up everything, every system of my body. It, it compromised. So, you know, we can, so we're given a choice. Uh, I mean, to go from me to the example of us, the possibility, we're given a choice. And we could say, this is terrible, and my life is going to really begin once I get this over with. You know, my life is going to have meaning once I get this over with. You know, or we can say, all right, we're on a journey. It's going to take a while. Why not make use of it? Why not make use of it? You know, when we look at, all of us probably have, if we think about it, we all of us probably have either in our own life or the life of friends, family members, colleagues, somebody who has been through cancer or a heart attack or a stroke or something. Particularly, I don't know, I, I have more friends who have, uh, uh, who have had like heart attacks who are really kind of type A personalities, classically driven. Um, one day they had a heart attack. And what do those people say afterwards? Oftentimes, they'll say, this was the greatest blessing of my life. Heart attack, this illness, this cancer, whatever, because their back was against the wall, because there was so much, there was no room for denial. They, there was a lot that they had to come to terms with. And there is, a, there is an energy uh, that gets released, that becomes available when one participates in an illness or in a challenge in that way versus, you know, the other choice is to crumple. The other, the other choice is to, is to just kind of eh, fall into oneself. And that doesn't really lead to anywhere, you know, but down. Well, uh, and, and then you're, then you get on the uh, psychotropic drug bandwagon because, okay, you're feeling down. Well, let's put you on an antidepressant and you're having trouble sleeping. Let's put you on a sleeping pill. And, oh, you're feeling anxious. Well, let's put you on an anti-anxiety. And at times you feel like you're a little crazy. Well, let's put you on an antipsychotic. This is what's happening, you know, to millions of people. And, uh, you know, this isn't the, the, the time or the place, you know, to discuss whether there are the, the, the merits of psycho, uh, psychotropic medications, but it's, it's not even an easy way out. It's an easy way down. Yeah. When I had a practice in Northern California, I didn't realize when I opened my practice, and this was uh, just to back up a tiny bit, so after I, I reached this point of, of much greater wellness and after I became a Reiki master and everything, I... Um, also decided that I wanted to work with people on an individual basis and a small group basis, um, helping them to heal their inner lives because that was the other dimension. I realized that there were things that were going on with me emotionally. There were things that I was hanging on to that um, when I shifted those things within me, my health took another leap. It was like, you know, all these little knots and sometimes not so small knots that we have inside of us, ways that energy gets tied up or distorted through anger and resentment and guilt and sadness and, you know, things that, that become chronic in themselves and they form their own neurological feedback loop. And there it is. It becomes our life. That's what everything looks like. Um, well, that ties up a lot of energy that 
that that is really needed by the immune system, you know, to to and and by all the wonderful restorative capacities that the body has. And as we take care of those things, those emotional components, let go of resentment, uh, let go of the what I call illness agreements, the way that subconsciously we agree to be ill, uh, that we uh, or that we just say, well, look, this is the way life is, nothing I can do about it, or externalizing our power too much onto figures in the outer world, um, uh, like doctors, etc. You know, that all ties up and distorts energy. And so when those energies are, are aligned again in their more, you know, their more proper way, then that energy becomes available to heal. That energy becomes available to, you know, to, uh, again, for the immune system and all the other systems of the body to say, come on, we know what to do. We just have to have the opportunity to do it because the body wants to heal. You know, it's our natural state. When we are, uh, it's, it's different to be inside of an illness looking out than it is to be outside looking at someone you love. And what I'm taking from what you're saying is, is there, that there's a way for us when we are inside the illness, whatever the condition or whatever it is, that there is a way for us from inside to get greater perspective, that it doesn't have to be that narrow perspective that it that we can that we can see more we can tap into more and that the more we untie those knots the more that we're open to expanding our awareness from inside from the place where we are the more healing can take place does that sound right yes absolutely and it's as simple you know it can start with something just as simple as saying i'm on a journey just those words i'm on a journey a journey implies a um, a lot. Yeah. It 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 implies that we're going from one place to the other. It almost it, it kind of implies progress, progress of some sort. Now you know not everybody who encounters illness is going to recover from that illness. I've had friends who, a co- you know, a couple of dear friends who who found out that they had cancer, and by the time they found the cancer, it had, you know spread but they still they decided okay i've got however amount of time to live i want to do it well i want to heal emotionally i don't want any loose ends you know i want to be uh the largest human being that i can possibly be and they weren't able to successfully fight off the illness but when they came to the time of their passing they were remarkable and loving and full of grace individuals. It was just uh, such a beautiful thing to behold. And there's a, there's a blessing in, in witnessing that in someone else, too. You said something earlier about taking your journey and bringing it to be of service, bringing, bringing what we learn on our journey back to our people, back around the people who are around our campfire. And there is a blessing in, in seeing someone's passing, someone's journey when it's done in that way, that way of awareness, um, that way of expanded presence. Yes, yes, it, it, it really is. And kind of going back to that idea of the, it's as simple as um, 
Well, I just call it changing the context. So there's plenty in our culture that conspires to uh, encourage us to feel like victims. You know, uh, particularly in Western culture, it's just very, very strong. And so in a way, we're kind of pre-wired. We're, we're wired by, by so much of what's around us, so much of the media, et cetera, to interpret life, which means to interpret our own experience in terms of a victim. And the problem with that is that it usually doesn't actually lead to compassion for the self. And energetically, it becomes another way that energy becomes distorted within us because it does, doesn't go to any place useful. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I do you know, when I work with, with clients is right off is to change that victim trance because it is a trance. It is a... Um, you know, it is a way that the that the mind, that the nervous system is wired to interpret reality in a certain way that feels real to us, fundamentally real to us, when actually it's just kind of a trance that feels real. And the trance can be broken, the trance can be shifted, and it's actually not that difficult to do. Mm-hmm. It's the process of letting go and letting be than it is of some, you know, the hero's journey of healing is not a Herculean effort to do something. It's more about allowing more natural ways of being and perceiving to to arise. You're listening to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager. I'm talking with Kevin Pierre. He's the developer of a protocol called The Hero's Journey of Healing. You can find out more on his website at inneralliance.net. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more with Kevin about that subconscious illness agreement, and we'll hear more about The Hero's Journey of Healing. We'll be right back after this. Do you get tired of styling your hair every day? And do you want a good hairstyle every day? Hi, I'm Sarah Schuster. I went on a website called inventnow.org, and after that, I decided to invent something too. Something called the Insta-Do. Just imagine, you just put it over your head like a helmet does, and you pick your hairstyle with the buttons on the side. And you can have instant hairstyle in seconds. People like it. People like Jeff Bart. I like it. And people like Kenneth. It's a summer thing, and it fits over your head, and it's great. Thank you, Kenneth. You should go to inventnow.org, and it could help you come up with your own invention. After all, look at me on the radio now. Anything's possible. Keep thinking. Get started on your own inventions, or just play some games at inventnow.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, the National Inventors Hall of Fame Foundation, and the Ad Council. Hey, Larry, mind if I sit down? Nope. This coffee tastes like uh, coffee. So what's going on? Not much. What's new? Not much. Okay, but can you please put the newspaper down while you say not much? What newspaper? This newspaper. Oh, dude, what happened to your face? I see one, two, three, four, five, six. Dude, what is this? 11 pieces of toilet paper stuck to your face? I'm shaving in the dark to save energy. I'm helping the environment. That's a dangerous way to help the environment. Well, sometimes you have to sacrifice yourself for the greater good. Dude, there's an easier and safer way to help the environment without sacrificing yourself. Go green, go public. Take public transportation. It's good for the environment and you won't have to live behind a newspaper. Wow. But for now, put the newspaper back up. A message from the public transportation systems across the country. To learn more, visit publictransportation.org. 
I'm home where I belong I'm home and I love it I'm home where I belong It's always nice to come home but these days many Americans are at risk of foreclosure and losing their homes Fortunately help is available Making home affordable is a free program from the US government that has already helped over a million struggling homeowners and we want to help you I'm home I'm home and I love it I'm home I'm home Find out now what your options are Go to makinghomeaffordable.gov or call 1-888-995-HOPE The sooner you act the better chance we can help you I'm home Brought to you by the U.S. Treasury, HUD, and the Ad Council. And now back to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager on Empower Radio. EmpowerRadio.com. Welcome back to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager, and I'm talking with Kevin Peer. He is the developer of a mind-body-spirit approach to healing that's called The Hero's Journey of Healing. And you can find out more about Kevin and his work at InnerAlliance.net. And, of course, I'd love your feedback about what you're hearing on the show today. Are you someone who is living with chronic illness, or do you have a loved one who's living with chronic illness? Are you hearing anything today that helps you shift that perspective, change context, as Kevin is saying, to help you see kind of the bigger picture, tap into the journey of the process that you're on? You can always reach me through email. My email address is karen at karenhager.com. And of course, karenhager.com is my website. Lots of lovely stuff there for you. Kevin, before the break, we were talking about shifting out of what you were calling that victim trance. And I wanted to kind of feel into a little bit more deeply the subconscious illness agreements that you mentioned, because I know that people get a little um, cranky sometimes if if it is suggested that they are a conscious participant in their illness, there are some people who feel like the illness has been kind of slapped on them and now they have to struggle underneath it. So can you speak a little more into that subconscious agreement? Yeah, it's, wow, you're, you're really touching into the subtlety of it, which is great. Because um, it is subtle. It's a fine line. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not an advocate of... of <sighs> Blaming oneself for illness. I mean, I, I will say that in my own case, that when I looked back, I could see a lot of things that I did in my life that put my immune system on the edge. You know, lack of sleep, over-travel, you know, various things, stress, um, that certainly made it a lot more possible for the Lyme organism, and three other tick-borne diseases that I had to take hold. Um, but having said that, so the, so part of the, the journey is being, being willing to see those kinds of truths, but not with a sword in your hand. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more like a gentle touch. You know, so, it's, so the idea is not to blame oneself. It's to just gain greater insight. Again, it's like, okay, well, here's this illness. What can I make of this illness? What can I learn? How can my life be a benefit? I mean, how can, I, how can this be a benefit rather than just a curse? And so an illness agreement are these unconscious ways in which we, 
in which we have, uh, you know, basically said, okay, this illness is here to stay. And that comes in a, you know, in a wide variety of forms. Uh, for one person, it could be, oh, I, I deserve this because of the, uh, because of the sins of my, of my former lifestyle, something like that. Uh, to somebody else, it could be, well, I've always felt this way, and this is the way that I'm always going to feel, which is very, very easy in chronic illness to do. And again, in no way am I trying to blame or, or say, you know, you, you know, you should. This isn't about the tyranny of the shoulds. It's not about shoulds. It is taking a natural tendency of mind that says, I feel miserable. I can't remember the last time that I felt well. I feel as though I will never feel well ever again. That is something that I experienced a lot with Lyme disease, partly because of the peculiar way that the neurotoxins created by Lyme affect the brain. You know, it felt like my spiritual life was just, I, I, like I would never be creative again. I would never have a spiritual feeling again. My intuition, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I, I couldn't feel my intuition. It was just a strange version of hell. But when the notion of a story started to creep in, it changed everything. Because when I admitted that the world was full of these great stories of the hero, that it guided cultures for thousands and thousands of years and gave meaning and beauty to life and to the difficulties of life, then I was able to put myself in that same place and say, okay, well, by definition, you know, so I just said, it never feels as though I will ever feel well again. You know, it, it feels as though I never have felt well in the past, I never will again. Well, that's what a hero feels on a hero's journey. You know, you look at Frodo, you know, in Lord <laughs> of the Rings. You look at all of these beloved stories. Oh, there's always this dark point, and they're saying, I am, you know, there's the despair. There's the, this is never going to end. So um, that isn't a hero's tale by definition. It doesn't always have to be part of the hero's tale, but it's not uncommon. So you see, by just... A very profound shift is possible just by admitting that, saying, okay, we've been telling this story. We've been guiding ourselves and our cultures for thousands of years before it became television entertainment, the hero's journey. I can be part of that as well. My despair, my not being able to see in back of me or in front of me, what if I just open to the possibility that this is bigger than me, that I'm part of a, um, it's almost like being part of a tradition. I'm part of an unbroken tradition of people who are facing adversity, and I'm going to do it consciously now. I'm going to choose to do it consciously and see what arises, see how this feels, see if it feels any better. And all I can say is that for me and for the clients that I, that I work with, that I have worked with, it makes all the difference in the world, just that shift right there. From a, from a big picture place, how do our journeys and our struggles, how do our personal, uh, the things that we go through, how does that impact the world? How does that influence the collective or the whatever, 
word you want to use. How, how do we see that playing out? Well, even before we get to the level of the collective, the way that we relate with our challenges and with illness sets a profound example for the people around us. An example of what is possible. You know, so um, just being able to, these, these stories that are, there are so many stories of people who have, who have, uh, who have passed on, you know, even people who have lived a long and productive life and they've reached the end of their life and they face that ultimate challenge you know they face that that ultimate transition with courage and with openness and even an openness to the fear that they're experiencing that becomes something that can be extraordinarily um inspiring to people who come into contact with that so it starts just with the people around us you know never underestimate the 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 power of one's own story to inspire and to shift the lives of other people and then you know if that happens enough then it it shifts at the collective level as well at that at the uh, you know the level of the collective unconscious as Jung talked about in ways that you know it's impossible to know we can't quantify that but it becomes a larger possibility you know, and there's always the part of the mind. And sometimes I've had, I've had somebody say, "Well, Kevin, it's just all in the mind, right?" And I say, "Absolutely, it's all in the mind. <laughs> That's the point." Mm-hmm. So, you know, we could say, "Okay, I'm just going to be telling myself that I'm on this journey, even though I'm really sick." And I say, "Well, why not? What's the alternative? The alternative is to say I'm sick. This is terrible. There's no use for it, or to say." I feel really rotten, but I'm on a journey. And a journey means, and it's possible to learn and to grow along this journey, to make use of the intensity of the feelings to actually learn and grow. Well, and as we empower ourselves, I choose the next step in this path. I'm a conscious participant in this journey, not just born along on a tide of suffering and whatever, but as I choose my place in this journey, I believe that that also then empowers and opens up physical, chemical changes in the body so that I may not just be feeling stronger, I might be stronger as a result of making that kind of shift. Absolutely, absolutely. And you go to the level... In your introduction, you mentioned something about epigenetics and psychoneuroimmunology. And that's all about the relationship between um, psychological processes and physiology. And those links are, I mean, we don't know how that works. We just know that it does. So absolutely. I mean, the the physical changes that can take place um, are quite, quite profound. Um, at... And this goes for, you know, the simple change of attitude and context. It goes for um, kind of discovering or unearthing and healing those, uh, those, those ties to the past or to old wounds that show up as anger and resentment and, and self-judgment and judgment of others and those sorts of things. I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, run-of-the-mill, the, the, the monkey mind stuff that goes through our mind every day, but the things that are really deep fundamental patterns in our life that tend to get exacerbated when we're experiencing something like chronic illness. 
So when those get healed, then, as you so well put, you know there is this there is this release, this activation of of healing energy that is present. I've had cases where people. Um, I don't take people specifically into past lives like looking for something, but in using transpersonal hypnotherapy, it is not uncommon for us to end up in looking for the source of a particular issue, be it physical, because I always check with the client, you know, is there a component of this physical manifestation that arises from something that took place in this life? And oftentimes there is something that contributes, at least. Again, that, that shows up uh, as, as, as uh, a compromised immune function, um, the way that the body responds to stress over time, that sort of thing. At times, that investigation actually leads back into a previous life in which there was something that happened that energetically is able to pass from one incarnation to the other um there have also been times that i've dealt with uh disembodied you know negative entities um that um you know and i I don't have this whole uh cosmology um developed and and belief strong belief about past lives i'm just looking for evidence Mm -hmm. it isn't even important if it's literally true or not you know it's and that's what I will tell people in advance. I say, well, what's, you know, all you have to do is allow. And so if we end up in some place that's surprising, as long as you still feel safe, then my suggestion is just to allow it and to see what arises I'm, and to see the healing that can take place as a result. I'm curious about what you were saying about um, what I would call energetic attachments, negative um, uh, like gum on the sole of your shoe, those kind of energetic attachments that can, in at least from what I see in my practice, drag people into that pattern of chronic illness or even the chronic victimization thing that you were talking about. Can you say a little bit about how in your work you identify and maybe begin to clear or um, ease those kinds of attachments? Yeah, well, th- this is where the uh, this is where the the illness can become a gift because the illness consists of symptoms and there's a way in transpersonal hypnotherapy where you can you can trace the origin of the symptom so you allow the symptom in the body to be the um especially for somebody who's kind of kinesthetically oriented but that's not a requirement but you allow the symptom of the body when a person is in that light trance state of hypnosis to uh, be open to the origins of that particular physical symptom. And a lot of times that will lead to something of an emotional or a spiritual nature that needs to be resolved. And then your life, so when I say the illness is the blessing, I mean that maybe is something that one never would have touched on before and investigated and resolved because there was no reason to, because it wasn't an issue. Well, it became an issue. It became a physical issue. And then in going back, you know, going within compassionately, you know, and skillfully going in and resolving that, then the rest of your life becomes better from that point on because you're no longer dragging that weight around. You're no longer dragging that that energetic blockage around. It doesn't have to be a part of your life anymore. 
And as a mind-body wellness consultant, do you also work, I'm thinking as I listen to you that this, to me, has a lot of parallels with addiction. Um, and I'm wondering, if you do you also work with people who are struggling with addiction? Um, you know, I, uh, yes and no, meaning that um, there's, uh, because I'm not a, um, a licensed mental health worker, you know, I, I'm certified and I'm board certified in, in, in hypnosis and I'm certified in clinical hypnosis. But depending on the state, especially, you have to be careful about, you know, using words like treating addiction because in some states they say, well, you can't do that unless you're a, a licensed professional counselor, et cetera. Uh, the, the other unfortunate thing about the word addiction is that it, it's almost like a little sticky trap. You know, it, it has so many associations with it that it it takes a cluster of symptoms and potential sources and puts it into a familiar box, and then it's easy for the mind to remain in that box. Um, so I usually don't use the word addiction. I usually will use a word like habit or predilection, a habit of mind. Um, and then we go from there, and it, and it lightens everything. Mm -hmm. Because there's this tendency, again, kind of going back into the, the victim trance and, and, and victim culture of saying, ah, it's an addiction and an addiction looks like this and you can't help it and, it's, and it can be hopeless. And it's, you know, and there's a, whole, there's a whole kind of set of preconceived ideas around it that get reinforced and reinforced. And then there's, that goes into an illness agreement. It becomes an illness agreement of subconsciously how we are expecting things to play out and what the limits are subconsciously of, of how much we can heal. Well, what if we dropped all that? You know, what if we dropped all that and just said, let's be open to possibilities and see what emerges from the brilliance and the love and the healing capacity of the subconscious mind. Mm. When you connect with someone initially, um, what, how is it that you are determining kind of what their best path is. What is the discernment for you as the practitioner, as the healer? How do you, how do you decide what might work best for each person? I would imagine it's quite different for everyone. It is. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, there's a, there's a questionnaire, you know, there's always an introductory, you know, free introductory 20 minute conversation that I have with a potential client before we work together to to because uh, I want to make sure that the person is is willing to do inner work that the person is ready for that that they're hungering for that you know that they're open to that because um, that's really a, a big prerequisite um, and then everything can start off really in an encouraging way uh, the other thing I do is have them fill out a questionnaire about their physical symptoms and the medical treatment that they're undergoing and that they have undergone, the doctors that they're working, or practitioners that they're working with, etc. cetera. Uh, also some questions relating to diet and uh, some things around lifestyle. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get the mind, body, spirit picture. I ask them about their spiritual beliefs, their, their religious tradition, if they have inner archetypal figures uh, or, you know, inner spiritual religious figures that mean a lot to them. Because I want to bring all of that into the process of healing. Um, 
So one level that I'm working with people on is uh, right from the start is that physical level. And usually in each session, there'll be a kind of checking in about what's going on physically, what treatment is happening. Um, I'm always doing research into different kinds of treatment modalities that are that are promising for, you know, for Lyme disease and other kinds of things. Not that I will tell people ever what to do medically, because I won't, but I can provide them with information that they can then take to their practitioner. Um, the only thing that I will do is I will tell people, I will encourage people, and I will say, if you have a doctor who is not listening to you, who's telling you all the time that you're crazy, uh, who is telling you that, who's refusing to get you know, uh, a particular test that you want to get because you think there's something going on with your thyroid uh, and they refuse, you need to see another doctor. You know, so I am all about empowering, helping people to become empowered patients and to kind of end the tyranny of this kind of authoritarian model where the doctor is like God and to where they know better than you ever will. Well, that's not the case at all. And for many people with chronic illness, they already know that because of all the doctors that have failed them in the past. Mm -hmm. So there's looking at the physical picture. You know, what are you eating? What are you, uh, have you had your hormones tested? You know, some of these, these base things. Do you live in a house that has mold in it? You know, just a lot of questions like that that can really impact and show up as uh, chronic, uh, chronic illness. Um, and then... Uh, because I've received this information from this questionnaire, uh, I will also get a sense of what the person's priorities are. What are they struggling with right now? You know, for, for one client, it might be, well, you know, I already feel like I'm on the path, but I don't really know how to look at this as a meaningful journey. And I want to look at it as a meaningful journey. For somebody else, I would just say, you know, I'm depressed. I don't know what to do. My family is thinks that I'm crazy. It's just a, a, a tangled mess. And so we kind of thread by thread untangle that mess. So things are going on simultaneously. One of them is that they're becoming more empowered and being able to relate with their doctors and, and family and friends in a more constructive way. If there's deep unconscious patterns that are holding that in place of being disempowered, then we start to work on that. Um, just simple physical things that they can be doing. You know, I may discover early on that there's something that they're eating that they actually have an allergy to or, or a sensitivity to and that their life could change, you know, in a very positive way just by removing that. Um, you know, it's, it's extraordinary sometimes how, how um, many puzzle pieces there are and how easy it is to miss those puzzle pieces. And it is very, very few doctors who have the time or the intellectual curiosity to do that. And those who do, bless them. Bless them to an infinite degree because they are true healers. They are true healers. This is the time of the show. The clock is catching us just a little bit here, but this is a good time if you'd like to tell listeners how they can find out more about the hero's journey of healing. Maybe direct them to your website, let them know what they'll find there, and let us know what's coming up for you. I'm hoping for a book, sir. Will there be a book? Because I'm hoping for the book. Yes, there will be a book. I'm actually starting on the book right now. Oh, and wonderful. I'm in the process of writing it. And I would say um, um, 
you know middle of middle of 2017 mm. yeah um and um so my website uh i have a practice called inner alliance consulting and my website is I-N-N-E-R-A-L-L-I-A-N-C-E dot N-E-T, innerreliance.net. And um, on that website, there's, uh, for most of the pages on the website, there is a brief little video introduction that I give. Some people are more visually oriented and say, well, I want to hear them say it. I don't want to read it. (laughs) So there's that option. Um, And then there's also lots of information on each of the pages, particularly the um, the a mind body wellness coaching page and the hero's journey of healing page and then there's also a page called my story where uh, i kind of go through a lot of what i've described in this interview of of how i came to my own healing and some of the insights that i was blessed to receive and how i developed this protocol um just because it, you know it, it, that's going back i'm not really interested in talking about myself i kind of do that if I'm asked to, but it goes back into that notion of storytelling. You know, when we tell a powerful story, it's bigger than us. It's always bigger than us. And, uh, and it can have inspirational uh, value for somebody else. So the website has information about, you know, what it's like to work with me as a mind-body wellness consultant, the fact that it usually takes place over a six-month period, two hours um, per session, twice a month. Um, and um, and then more information about the hero's journey of healing, um, you know, et cetera. Oh, so. Wonderful. Kevin, thank you so much for being on the show. What a really cool way to reframe how we think about illness. And that thank you so much for being here. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Karen. It was it was great to be with you. Wonderful. That is Kevin Peer. He is the developer of the Hero's Journey of Healing Healing Method. You can find out more about Kevin and his work at inneralliancenet. And of course, you can always head over to karenhager.com. Take a look at what's coming up. There are lots of classes and events. There's always something going on there. And if you believe, as I do, that when we bring our intention together for peace, for change, for good, that things really do change, I invite you to check out openpeacefulheart.com. That's a free monthly guided meditation open to everybody from around the world. Come in and join us for 15 minutes once a month as we set an intention for peace, for change, for healing in our hearts and at the heart of the world. That's at openpeacefulheart.com. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world, and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace.